Open up your Bibles. We've been in Luke 2. We're going to stay in Luke 2. Pastor Dick was in Luke 2. Maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to drive something home here from Luke 2. I preached last Sunday the first few verses. I'm not going to go into that, but I'm going to pick up where I left off last week. Um, Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be focusing on uh, verses 14 and 15. But let's go back up to Luke 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, the Bible says, an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And check this out. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. How would you like to be surrounded by the presence of God and the glory of the Lord? And here's what we have seen as we've been focusing on this series, that every time God shows up in his greatness and power, there's the same response from the side of human beings. The Bible says at the end of verse 9, simply that they were terrified. Not that they were slightly afraid, they were terrified. That's a strong word. But the angel of the Lord reassured them with this news. He said, don't be afraid. I'm bringing you good news that will be great joy for all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you're going to recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And here's the second suddenly in a few verses. Suddenly again, as the angel makes this incredible announcement of good news, it says he was joined by a vast host of others. In fact, the armies of heaven praising God. And this is what they were saying. And I want you to see that they were not only doing some praising here, but they were doing some preaching. And I want to focus on the preaching today. They say, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You know, this time of year, if you're like our family, and I'm sure you are, you're out doing shopping, trying to find just the perfect gift for everybody. And that is no small thing. Can I get an amen out of that? In fact, the bigger the family, the more challenging it becomes. And, um, And how many of you know there's always somebody that the gift either doesn't fit right or it wasn't quite exactly what they wanted? They kind of, you know, kids have a way of kind of nicely, hopefully, letting you know that it maybe wasn't exactly their style. Anybody have kids? You know what I'm talking about on that? All right. What we're celebrating this morning is an event, a gift that was so spectacular that every single person, the Bible says, is good news for that person. I want you to think about what, what I just said. And this morning, you know, I got this celebration thing inside of me, but even more than the celebration thing, I've got this sense of holy awe this morning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There are some Sundays uh, that it's good to party and, and celebrate all that Jesus is, and there's other Sundays where I just feel the weightiness of the glory of the Lord. Because we talked about last week, Christmas is the one event in all of human history That is good news for every single human being who's ever lived, past, present, or future. It's good news for all people. Good news bringing great joy. Jesus is the one gift that when you unwrap him, he is good news and great joy for everyone that knows him and everybody who comes to know him. Now, nobody else can make that claim. I mean, that is a a cosmic claim of greatness, that Jesus is that big, that Jesus is that awesome. That Jesus and what he did on Christmas morning 
was so spectacular and so stupendous that, that our language runs out of, of, of words to define or to try to capture what he did. It's cosmically great and there's, it's unparalleled in its greatness and that's why we pause at this time of year to recognize in the midst of all the good things that we do like giving gifts and having fun and being with loved ones, but we pause and I appreciate you coming out this morning because we're pausing together and I want to focus on why this is such good news. You know, Luke went on to tell us the crux of the good news is found in a person. And he gave us three important titles. He said, you know what? Here's the good news. The Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah is here. The one who's going to save us from our sins. How many of you know this is no small thing to be saved from sin? Saved from what? Saved from damnation. Saved from who? Saved from, saved from a holy God. This is sobering stuff that we're talking about here. Uh, we have to get past some of the fluffier things of Christmas and get to the cornerstone. This is cornerstone kind of material. The Savior of the world has come. There's only one. His name's Jesus. He's the mediator between God and men. He's the one who died on the cross and shed his blood so that we could be reconciled to God. This is a big, big deal. The Messiah is here. We also said the second name in addition to Savior was Messiah, and that word Messiah means anointed one. This is the one God Almighty laid his hands on figuratively speaking, and anointed him to be the Savior and the sent one and the messenger of the good news. And how many of you know it's the anointing that breaks every yoke? It's the anointing that sets us free. And so the good news that I have to, de- to declare to all of us this morning is whatever you've come here with, whatever bondage, whatever sin, whatever brokenness, whatever hurt, whatever addiction in your life, the anointed one has the power to break off every yoke of bondage off of our lives. How many of you know that's good news? Jesus is the one who can set people free, and that's what we celebrate. But here's the thorny part. Not only is he the Savior, not only is he the anointed one or Christ, but he's also the Lord, which means that he is the absolute authority in the entire cosmos. There is no higher authority than the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the rub. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That's the, really the rub most people have with Christmas. We don't mind Santa Claus. We don't mind the gift giving. We don't even mind Jesus was born. We picture the cute little babe in the manger. But how many of you know when we get to the issue of authority that we must respond to the man Christ Jesus, that God's going to hold us accountable for our response to the man Christ Jesus. That's where the rub comes in. And that's where many people stumble and fall. I want you to see here that we talked about this last week. There was one angel delivering the news, good news. But as soon as that news came off that angel's mouth, the Bible says the entire sky around those shepherds erupted with a praise and celebration and a heavenly choir that was stunning. Imagine being surrounded by radiant, blinding light and hearing the sound of an angelic choir uh, that was massive. I mean, so massive you probably shook under the the sound waves of what you were hearing. This was no subtle little thing. And I shared with you last week, you know, it's interesting that the King of Glory, the Deliverer, we sang about it, or we listened anyway, as as Andy and Heather sang that song so beautifully, the Mary who delivered this baby who would soon deliver her, right? The one who would come and who, who fills the cosmos. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That being, taking on human flesh and being born not in a fancy hotel, but in a feeding trough in a stinky stable, only epitomizes and underscores the transcendence of God 
and the humility and the majesty and the mercy of God coming and taking on human flesh. And who does he reveal himself to first? We would think kings and dignitaries and these types of folks, political leaders, movie stars, famous people, rich people, but that's not who God reveals himself to. Isn't it amazing? He reveals himself to a handful of shepherds somewhere out in the fields watching over flocks of sheep. I mean, you know, it was anything but a glamorous assignment, probably most of the time pretty mundane, pretty boring. But on that night, there was a suddenly that happened. And I wanted to encourage you all, you know, we're getting ready as we go in by the grace of God uh, into 2018. Uh, I just want us to pursue godliness as a people, amen? I want us to live for the Lord. I want us to challenge one another to good works and to great things. And I love this about where they were. The Bible says they were out watching their flocks by night. They were at their post protecting the sheep. And I shared with you last Sunday, there's something powerful about just simply getting up every day, spending time with Jesus, submitting your life to him, talking to him, getting in his word, and living your life with a face towards heaven and a desire to please and bring glory to God. I'm I'm just giving you a prophetic word for some of you out here that have been walking with God, believing God, fighting the good fight of faith. There are times when suddenly it's happened when God blows your mind with his faithfulness, with his goodness, with his love for you. Expect the suddenlies of God this year as you posture yourself in position with your face toward heaven and your heart toward God. Watch God do some suddenlies in your life. But look with me here. At verse 13, this is where we're going to focus this morning. There's some worship and there's some preaching going on here. Notice it says, glory to God. This is the worship part. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And then the next verse, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. There's two things that that are the centerpiece of Christmas. Number one is this. Jesus came first and foremost for the glory of God to reveal the greatness of God, to show us what God is like. Sometimes I think we get it turned around. A lot of people put human beings as the center of why Jesus came, but we're not the centerpiece. We're the overflow of God's goodness. We're the overflow of his mercy. We're the demonstration of his kindness. But the reason God sent his son primarily is so that God would get an incredible amount of glory out of what's about to take place. The Bible says this about Jesus. This is Colossians 1.19. God in all of his fullness, the fullness of his glory, was pleased to live in the body of the man Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, in Christ lives all the fullness of God. Think about this, the fullness of all that God is in a human body. And lastly here, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Don't you love to take a newborn baby, especially if you're the parents? I remember as all my kids came forth, I loved holding them and just staring at their cute little faces. It's a stunning thing to think that God himself could be held in the hands of a, of a teenage virgin, Mary, and be looked upon upon human eyes, and that God humbled himself so much to communicate with us and to communicate his love and his goodness to us that he took on a human face, in fact, a little baby's face to start his journey and his ministry among us. That's staggering, the humility of God, that he would do that. But the Bible's very clear that part of why Jesus came was to display God's glory. What is God's glory? It's the beauty of who he is. It's the sum total of all of his perfections as we look at like a diamond ring sparkling against the dark sky. That's the beauty of Jesus Christ. That's the glory of God. 
That's what Jesus came to demonstrate. But secondly, I want you to see this. The Bible says that wherever Jesus is received, there's going to be peace. Part of what Jesus came to this earth to release on planet earth was peace. Now, what kind of peace are we talking about? This is not like a hippie movement. I'm not right. Jesus didn't come to bring a hippie movement. Peace. That's not the peace I'm talking about. How I mean, you know the greatest peace is not emotional peace. It's not, oh, I just pray for a quiet house, that kind of peace. It's not the absence of anxiety or stress or strife primarily, although those are all things that Jesus helps to bring. But the peace that we're talking about is peace with God Almighty. It's right standing with the Lord. It's being in proper relationship with Him. In fact, I want you to see this in Isaiah 9. We've read this a couple of times, but repeating is a good thing. I want to emphasize one particular aspect of this. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah prophesying again seven centuries before Jesus' birth. And look at what he says. There's going to be this child that's going to be born to us, a son given to us. The government, the authority will rest upon his shoulders. And he's going to be called these names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, but listen to this name of Jesus. Jesus is going to be the Prince of Peace. And the Bible says that His government and the peace of His government will go on without end. And so here's the question we need to ask this morning, or we need to consider. Look at verse 14. There's an offer of peace that is given here. It says, Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I think the NIV says, Uh, Peace to men on whom God's favor rests. Here's the most important question I think we need to ask ourselves this holiday season. And I know most of you, but I know we've got some guests here this morning. We're thrilled that you've come to worship with us. But I want us all to think about this question because I would like to suggest to you there's no bigger question that we could ask this morning. There's no question of greater consequence we could ask this morning than the question I'm about to ask you. And here's the question. How can I receive the favor of God? How can I be at peace with God? How can I bring God pleasure? In other words, how can I know that my life brings God's heart pleasure? Now, can we just stop here for a minute? Because a lot of people go on with life, they never think about this question. But here's the reality of the situation. The day is going to come. In fact, just add 100 years to your life. I love to do this. Add 100 years to your life and guess where we're all going to be? In the same place, we will not be alive. Let's put it that way. We'll not be alive on planet Earth. Uh, We'll be alive, but we won't be alive on planet Earth. And the Bible says it's appointed for a man once to die, and then the judgment. So we're only going to pass away one time out of this natural body, and then we're going to stand before God Almighty. And how many of you know on my best day, on my best day, on my best day in Christ, if I'm basing it on my performance, I'm going to come up woefully short of pleasing God. You know, it's not about even just not doing bad things, although that's where most of us are still fighting, right? I'm going to try not to do bad things. But those are called sins of commission. But what about sins of omission? You all know about those? Those are the things we should have done if we were living like Jesus. And most of that involves like people we'd be loving better, like even close people, like our spouses, like our kids, like our neighbors. Or how about even the Bible says loving our enemies, I mean, you know, none of us love the way Jesus loves because we're still on our best day. We're still looking through a lens that's still very colored with, with selfishness, is it not? And so even on our best day, I would not want to stand before God Almighty on my behalf with my righteousness, with my goodness, with my holiness. 
I'm not going to do that. How many of you know if standing in front of a puny angel, part of God's creation, leaves people terrified? I ain't standing before God without an advocate. I'm not going to stand before God before whom no one can stand and live without somebody really big going on my behalf. There is no peace with God for, here's the bad news, there's not peace with God for any of us sitting in this room by nature. Some people say, ah, me and God, we're cool. Trust me, you're not. (laughs) You're not. You're not. None of us are at peace with God. That's, that's the screaming need that we all have, which is why it's such good news that a Savior has been born, somebody who's coming to save us, someone who's coming to deliver us. And I say this, deliver us from what? Deliver us from who? Not from Satan. Deliver us from God. Because God is a just God, and God's a holy God. And we can't stand in front of his holiness by ourselves or on our own basis. We need Jesus. So that's the question. How do, how do, you, how do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you stand before God, his pleasure is on your life? There's a smile on the face of God overlooking your life. How do we know that? I'm going to give you the answer, and I think it's the best gift that I could ever give anybody in this room. I mean, you know, if we could heal ourselves, we wouldn't need a Savior. If we could see Jesus with our own eyes, we wouldn't need someone to tear the blinders off. If we could love Jesus with our own heart, we wouldn't need God to give us a heart transplant. But we need a transplant, don't we, to love God the way God is worthy of being loved. That's called being born again. It's called new birth. You know, I mentioned to you that one of Jesus' titles was the Prince of Peace. I mean, you know, the word prince is a governmental term. Whenever we come in contact with a prince, we're coming in contact with royalty, we're coming in contact with authority, and for us to experience the peace of the prince of peace, how many know, first of all, you have to deal with the authority of the prince? In other words, you have to be a subject. The Bible says Christ's kingdom, wherever Jesus reigns, the domain of that kingdom, the fruit of that kingdom is peace. Anybody want to be a part of a peaceful kingdom? without war, without violence, without strife, without hatred, without all those things that lead to war and enmity. Christ's kingdom, wherever it goes, is a kingdom of peace. But here's the thing, you can't have the peace if you don't have the prince. You can't experience the peace without submitting to the prince. He's the prince of peace, and to experience the fruitfulness of his kingdom, you have to be submitted to his royalty. And I think that's where the problems lie. Listen to what Romans 5 says. This is Romans 5, 1 and 2, and I'm reading from a wonderful new translation called the Passion Translation. Some of you have read it. But listen, I love the colorful language of this text. It says, Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And now he declares us, listen to this, flawless in his eyes. This is amazing. How do we stand with confidence knowing that God is pleased with us. Let me show you how this works. Pastor Dick, I need you to, I'm going to put you to work this morning. You're going to be Jesus this morning, all right? Jesus is our big brother. I want you to turn around. Jesus is going before the Father. I want to go before the Father and know that I'm pleasing to him. This is how I do it. I stay hidden, right like this. (laughs) 
Now, I know we're handsome twins, but this really shows it, does it not? All right? All right. I stay hidden in Christ. That means I don't want any part of me sticking out. What does that mean? Whatever's sticking out is my flesh. I don't want my flesh sticking out. I want my life hidden in Jesus so that His righteousness is my righteousness. His beauty is my beauty. All right. His, his holiness is my holiness. His perfect life is my perfect life. And I stand literally hidden in Christ Jesus. And God looks at me and He says, You're flawless. Isn't that amazing? How many of you want to be flawless before the Father as you stand before Him? Even this morning, do you know you can be flawless before God? Flawless. That was a flawless demonstration. Thank you. All right. The Bible says that if we are hidden in Christ, that all of Jesus' righteousness is put on your account. Not only his death and forgiveness, but check this out. You've not only been forgiven this morning in Christ, but all of the good deeds, the perfect life Jesus lived, is put in your bank account before God. This is good news. So that you're flawless before God. Listen to what else it says. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace. There's that word. Peace with God. How? Because of all that our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. But here's the deal, and I'm going to end with this. Turn, turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Look at the response. This is back in Luke's Gospels, but turn to Matthew. I'm just going to read Luke for you. This is the response of the shepherds. It says, when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds turned to each other. They said this, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's go to Bethlehem. Here's my, my challenge to you this morning. If you just got word that the Messiah, the anointed one, the ruler of heaven and earth, had come to deliver you, and that that child was somewhere in a manger to be seen with your eyes, I would hope that your response would be, let's go. Let's go see. And this is the challenge that we have on this Christmas Eve morning, is what is our response to the good news that there can be peace with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that the favor of God Almighty would rest upon you. How do you respond to that? I believe this is how you respond. You say, let's go. I love what Pastor Dick says when he preaches on missions. He says, there's a go, a G-O, in the word God. And there's an S-A-T, sat, in the word Satan. It's interesting that Satan likes to keep us on our behinds. Satan likes to keep us passive. Satan likes to keep us unimpressed. Satan likes to keep you uh, immovable, immovable and immobile when it comes to the things of God. God, on the other hand, is constantly giving us a green light. He's saying, go into all the world. Go tell the good news. Go love somebody. Go serve somebody. Go touch these people. Go pursue me, God says. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's a go in the gospel. There's a go in God. And these shepherds got it right. They said, let's go. Let's go seek out this man, Jesus Christ. Let's find him for ourselves. Let's look on him with our own eyes. But I want you to see two other options we have this holiday season. And they're found in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands, they arrived in Jerusalem. And they, here's the question they were asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Why were they asking? Because here's why. They saw his star as it rose, another supernatural encounter that God was setting up. They saw the star, and we have come to worship him. 
The wise men were coming from distant lands. They saw the star. They were going after the gospel. But there's two groups of people that I want you to see that, that did not handle the news properly. And here's my challenge to you this morning. Don't be one of these two groups of people. Don't be one of these two groups of people. The first group was the religious community. Notice they came to the religious leaders. And they asked the religious leaders, I'm going to go down to verse 3. King Herod, the Bible says, we've come to, uh, uh, these uh, wise men came to worship the king. And then they said, look in verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. And he asked, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? They got together, all the folks who's supposed to have the answers. And I just want to encourage us. How many of you have known Christ for more than a year in this room, all right? Wave at me, more than a year. The vast majority of us. How many of you know we have a responsibility to pursue Jesus with the rest of our days and to make him known? In fact, remember how we started off this, this sermon. The number one reason Jesus came was to display the greatness and the goodness and the glory of God Almighty. How many of you know that's what God wants to do through us? He wants to display his goodness and his glory. Can you do this with me? Can we love on some people during this holiday season? Go out of our way to love on some people and to do it in Jesus' name. To display the glory of God in our neighborhoods and touch people, touch our family, all right? That's part of why we're here. The religious community should have been hot to trot to find Jesus. They're the ones that had the law. They're the ones that knew all the prophecies. They're the ones that could have read Isaiah's prophecy and all the other prophecies. And let me just say this. When God speaks to us through the prophetic word of people that he raised up that said, thus saith the Lord, and they nail these things right on the head. Who in the world, how could Isaiah have prophesied that God would come through a virgin birth when that was probably inconceivable to the human mind and say that 700 years before it happened and nail it on the head? How many of you know God's trying to make sure he has our attention through the prophets? Because we're without excuse. No one's going to be able to claim stupidity on the great day. We are without excuse. And people that know God and people that love God and people who have experienced the Prince of Peace personally should be leading the way in their pursuit of God. Are you with me? Am I speaking the truth this morning? Be a God pursuer. Instead, there's this intepid, lukewarm indifference. The Bible says nowhere did the religious leaders pursue Jesus. Not a one of them was pursuing Jesus. And the question I would ask for you is why? One of the worst things that can happen to Christian people is when you lose your passion for God and you stop pursuing Jesus with all your heart. I just want to caution us. Let's not be religious. Amen? Let's make sure the fire of Jesus is burning our heart. I don't want to be a religious clergyman who can get up and spout nice little sermons, but I'm not personally pursuing Christ as a follower of him, as someone who loves him. So it's a, it's a good reminder that this time of year, let's not take the season for granted or Jesus for granted. But let me end with this, because this is the worst response possible. Why in the world does the Bible say that Herod, when he heard the news, was deeply disturbed about the birth of this man Christ Jesus? And it also says not just Herod, it says that the entire community, it says that everyone in Jerusalem was equally disturbed. Isn't that amazing? A king is coming to save you. A king is coming to give you great joy. A king is coming to release his peace on planet earth. And Herod is disturbed. Strange, isn't it? 
Sometimes, you know, when we were out wishing people Merry Christmas as they're driving by, it's great because, you know, when you're in your turn lane, we can actually make eye contact. We can say, Merry Christmas. And some people were trying their darndest to just be miserable. <laughs> Ever know people like that? Everybody's honking. Ah! We got dogs, their heads hanging out the window, cheering us on. You know, we got kids waving. We're yelling Merry Christmas. And some people will just try to, I mean, they just have to work overtime at being miserable. And some of them, they just, you know, they give you a little, eh, little wave. I just kept thinking, you know, Herod would have been one of those that just drove by with a scowl on his face. Uh, yeah, by a humbug. But, here, but here's the issue, and I want you to follow with me. You know why people are not really excited about Jesus and why our culture is trying to do everything imaginable to drive Christ out of their schools? You know, I just talked to a teacher this morning. She said, you know what? We are given strict orders that this is a winter holiday, not Christmas. We're given strict orders that we are not to talk about Christ, not to talk about Merry Christmas in the public schools. But we all had an assignment. We had to teach various traditions, various uh, holiday traditions. And she said, so I decided to teach on Jesus and Christmas as a holiday tradition in my classroom. I'm like, come on, lady, that is awesome. But uh, here's the deal. Why in the world would we be so resistant to such good news? And here's why. I'm going to give you an answer. Because it's not about giving gifts, sipping some punch, you know, all the stuff that we do, doing the games, singing some nice carols, uh, all the fun activities that we do at Christmas time, which again, those are all great. I, I love the, this season as much as everybody. I love it all. But here's the issue. The real crux of the matter is, will you submit every ounce of your being and acknowledge that that babe in the manger is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God in flesh who shed his blood so that you could be saved from your sins. But what you have to do is be willing to bow your knee and embrace him. And guess what? I'm just telling the truth this morning. If you're not willing to bow your knee and embrace him as your Savior and as your King, then that news is not good news. It's irritating. Now here's the truth. Jesus wasn't trying to take Herod's puny little throne. Are you kidding me? If Herod would have just known who was being born, there would have been no political jealousy in his wicked little heart because Jesus wasn't interested in a throne so small. He's already the Lord of everything. Are you kidding me? But Herod acts like a typical politician trying to hold on to his place of power. And the rest of the community, too, was disturbed because here's the deal. When Jesus comes, he upsets the apple cart, does he not? The first thing that he says is, I don't want all your, this is going to be good news to some of you and bad news at the same time. I don't want all your religious activity, Jesus says. I don't want your money. I don't want your service. It's worse. I want you. Oh, we, we love to give those other things, do we not? Because here's the deal. We give them on our own terms. Oh, now I'm making everybody's Christmas. I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm stepping on all your toes. 
here this Christmas, but I'm telling the truth, am I not? You see, this is serious business. When God comes with such astonishing, uh, in such astonishing supernatural ways, and he does so in a way that blows our minds, and he does so, and he makes these claims that he says, I'm good news for the whole world, and he claims to be the savior of the whole world, and he's coming back to judge the whole world. I mean, you know, we better listen up, because you can only play stupid so long and not pay the consequences of stupid. This is stupid to ignore these claims. Jesus is not just a nice guy. Jesus is God Almighty. And, and the reason he has an, a knack of turning people and cities and peoples upside down is because the claims that he makes are astonishingly huge and all-encompassing. And so this Christmas, we got one of two choices. We can, or one of three choices. We can act with hostility towards Jesus and just say, well, I don't believe all that stuff. Okay. You can act in indifference and just say, well, that's nice. Let's move on with the festivities. I'm hungry for some turkey or whatever. And, you know, indifference. Or you can say, let's go. And I pray that this year will be a let's go year. How many of you know God wants you to enjoy him? God wants you to walk in his favor. Some people say, you know, pastor, you know, people that don't know the Lord, they're depressed. They're, they're full of despair. They say, you know, 2017 was terrible, and I'm expecting 2018 to be the same. In fact, if they're honest, they don't have any basis for hope, right? Where's my hope? Let me just tell you something. I'm so excited every time we enter a new year, I can hardly contain myself. Pastor, why? Are you just one of those positive mental attitude people? No. I'm really more of a cynic by nature. I need Jesus to make me happy, all right? Maybe you can relate. I'm not a positive mental attitude person. It's better than that. I know that because I'm hidden in Christ Jesus that the favor of God is on my life. I'm walking around. Excuse me, I got to borrow your scalp. I'm walking around. None of this is scripted, by the way. Did you all know that? I'm joking. Like, yeah, sure. All right. I'm walking around with the hand of God's blessing resting on my head saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased and guess what? You are too if you're in Christ. Does anybody want to walk with the, with the hand of God's favor on your life and now and forevermore, but moving into the new year? This is how it is. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. We walk and we carry the favor of God. And listen, when you go to pray, if you could look and gaze upon the face of God, what would it look like? What would he look like? Let me tell you, if you're in Christ, what it looks like. He's smiling. Because his heart is so full of pleasure over you and me. Imagine a smiling God who wants to bless us with himself. First of all, how many know the gospel, the good news of the gospel is not something, it's someone. His name is God. God is blessing us with himself. And then out of the relationship we have with God, favor extends into every aspect of our lives. Isn't that awesome? And God looks upon us this morning with a smiling face that says, I love you, I'm proud of you, I'm for you and not against you. That's what it means to be a Christian. Anybody want in on that for this coming year? Come on. That's what's Merry Christmas, all right? That's what it's all about right there. Merry Christmas. Peace on earth and God's goodwill towards those in whom he is pleased. If you said, Pastor, do you think God's pleased with you? Here's my answer. Yes. Could he be any more pleased with me? No. 
Is it because I'm such a great guy? No. It's because his son is such a great guy, and I'm hidden in him. That's why the pleasure of God is on my life. I want you to stand to your feet with us this morning, and I want to pray God's blessing on you. But before we do, I'd like you just to bow your head with me. And my desire, and I know it's the Father's desire, is that every single one of us in this room would have a wonderful relationship, first and foremost, with God the Father. There would be peace in your relationship with Him, and that His favor would be pouring out over your life for this coming year. I'm not one to put anybody on the spot, but I do want to just pray for you. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to know if there's anybody in this room here this morning that you have never knelt before the Prince of Peace. You've never consciously asked Jesus Christ to come and take control and rightful authority over your life. You've never invited him in. You've never turned from your being king of your own uh, life and domain, and you've never turned and said, Jesus, you come and rule in my life. That's what it means to be born again. And if you'd like to submit your life to the Lord this morning, I just want you to slip your hand up. I'm, just, I'm going to pray a general prayer over the whole congregation. But if you've never given your life to Christ, I'd like you just to slip your hand up. I want to pray for you this morning. We want to pray for you this morning. Anybody in this place? All right, good. We're all in the family. But let me pray blessing. How about anybody ready to move from uh, Christmas this wonderful week of celebration into the new year and into some breakthrough. I believe God wants to give us breakthrough. We've already had it prophesied over our house this year, a year of acceleration, both corporately and individually. We'll be talking more about that next Sunday. But I want to pray that over our church family this morning, and then we're just going to worship our way out of here this morning. Father, thank you that we're all hidden in Christ today, that we love you, Lord, that we've embraced you as Savior and King. And Lord, that we are truly living in a place of peace, peace with you and peace with others. I pray that the peace of Jesus would infiltrate all of our family gatherings, all the great meals, all the gift giving, all the celebration that's part of this holiday season. May the peace of God fill our lives and our families and our gatherings. And Lord, may we take the good news of great joy to all people wherever we go. I pray that we'd be different, Lord. Fill us with supernatural joy as we spread your cheer this holiday season. Jesus, we cannot thank you enough. God Almighty, we cannot thank you enough for what you've done in sending your Son. We just say happy birthday, Jesus, and Father, thank you for your incredible mercy on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. Hey, Merry Christmas. If you need prayer, come on up. We want to pray for you. Amen. Let's worship.